And I'm Karen Wright, and joining me now, our good friend, Barb Lampson. Hey, Barb, it's snowing out there still, and it's a blizzard, but you and I are filled with gardening joy. We are. We just, we are just so happy to be able to plan for the future and do things. And with this nasty kind of weather, we have this wonderful gardening project going on at the library this week. And this brings us in contact with people who want to learn how to garden, who, people who appreciate gardening. Well, in a little bit, I want to talk about, we've got a lot of events tomorrow, but you are on the schedule this week at the Blue Earth County Library on Thursday. So thankfully, you didn't yes. get waylaid by the weather. So tell us about that because you were doing a story hour. Yes, and when you talk about story time, you think, well, somebody's going to come in and read a bunch of stories. The idea isn't just to read a story to children. The idea is to take a story and apply that to their lives and to the importance of gardening. Barb, did you used to be a a special ed teacher? Yes. Okay, because I was going (laughs) to say, you just have the, the qualities, like, you just know how to... Connect. And, and uh, that was only after retiring from my regular career, uh, which was in drug preventions. But for five years, okay. I did work in a special ed room. So, But I love uh, working with the children. Now, the thing that's so exciting to me about children, when they are young, two, three years old, they're already articulate enough. They can listen and they will ask questions. And when I was a child, and even when my children were young, they were fairly shy. But these new little children, they raise their hand. They know they're interacting with you all the time. So sharing the story, Beatrix Potter's story of Peter Rabbit now, Peter Robert gets into Mr. McGregor's garden and eats these vegetables. And then having uh, the actual vegetables with me, we can talk about how good these vegetables are to eat and talk about them growing them and having a garden and how you start a garden. And I I said to the children, I said, now, if you were going to start a garden, what would you start with? And, and this little boy raised his hand and he said you need seeds and then this little girl raised her hand and she said well yes but you don't always have to buy them because if you buy an apple (laughs) there's already seeds in the apple very cute i thought i thought that was so great and as we progressed along and and i had green beans and i had tomatoes and and they talked about their favorite things and then this little boy said yes i like carrots like peter rabbit but I eat mine with ranch dressing. <laughs> and just hilarious. And oh. as we were beginning to sum up, and, and, and I had them show of hands, how many were gardening, how many had gardens, how many uh, had been in a garden, and, and overall, even these two-year-olds, you know, hand is going up. Okay. And uh, th- they were just... Uh, just absolutely adorable. And I said to them, well, you know, Mr. McGregor had a lot of vegetables and fruits in his garden. Maybe he could have shared them with someone else. And this little girl stood up and said, yes, and you can give them to the poor people because they need good food to eat too. And I thought, yay, yay, yay. These kids are getting stuff at a young age, aren't they? Yes, yes. And so the ages, the youngest little guy there was a year and a half his mother called him Tornado. Oh my! <laughs> he he was full of of energy, but they 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 were just they were so delightful, and I think starting 
uh, talking to children about where their food comes from and how good it is for you and letting them participate in the growing. I think that's important. And it, it makes me realize you're ne it's never too young to start. You know, read to your child as soon as they're born and introduce them to books and uh, talk about what they're, what they're seeing and what they see in their life. So very important. Now, I also am cheered up because... I read in the newspaper this morning that we have a new solar site that's going up for solar energy, and I'm so excited about that. Now, where's that at? That's going to be out on Lime Valley Road. Um, the Geronimo Electric has purchased this land from the city of Mankato. And here's what's exciting about this. It's going to be, uh, I believe, the largest solar energy site that we have in Minnesota so far. It will cover 25 football fields. Now, wow. Now, a football field is large, but, or excuse me, not 25, 20. And there will be enough energy for 635 homes. So this is a start. And, you know, that land out on Lime Valley Road, a lot of that's got a lot of rock and isn't the best farmland. And so putting this to a good use, like putting the solar site there, is, is so important. But here's what's even more important. They are going to be planting uh, uh, wildflowers, native plants there, for our pollinators. Great. So we would gain 20 football fields in size for pollinators. And this is really, really important. I feel like for these young children coming up today, uh, we need to do this. We need to leave this legacy of clean energy for them and for, for all the future generations. Now, I know a lot of people say that those panels are ugly and that sort of thing, but when you look at the work they're doing... Right. And if you think about uh, that they're not just standing there, that they're also uh, uh, they're, they're ensuring that the uh, soil is not going to be blowing away, it's, and also it's going to be a home for pollinators. Right. So, so it sounds like they're making it, you know, it's not just going to be a bunch of glass or whatever they make right. them out of panels. They're, they're really going to try to make it ecologically sound. E every aspect of it should be, and that's the way, you know, it really has to be. But here's a great thing, too. Besides that happening, I just got uh, some information this morning from the Minnesota Landscape Arboretum oh, up at Chaska, okay. and they're talking about their uh, bee and pollinator center that's open now, and they're conducting classes up there. As a matter of fact, they have a class coming up uh, which is in April, and you can get this information online if you want to. But what they're going to be talking about is um, April 8th. Uh, they're going to be talking about pollinators and policy. So an overview of Minnesota's pollinator policy. Now, I wonder if some of this is going to have anything to do with the buffer zone. Is that part of it, do you think? Or? Well, yes. I mean, that's that's policy right there. Right. So having that 40-foot buffer zone, that is so incredibly important. And and what they're looking for is um, there's, there's a cost for this. But you will come away with being aware of all these different policies and that. It's $30 to go to this class. It's $42 for non-members and okay. then of course that includes your uh, 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 fee to get into the Arboretum. Here's something though for us that's free for anybody that's free Yes, and I think that this is going to be really good. This is uh, 
a class that they're going to do, uh, and it is April 22nd. Now, that's coming up, but they want you to register for this uh, well in advance because what you're going to be doing is uh, trained to go out and to uh, uh, identify bees and to uh, get a handle on them. And these are both the uh, honeybees and the bumblebees. Uh, of which there are twenty thousand in the twenty thousand species in the world. I feel overwhelmed already. If you can name twenty thousand, I assume that there aren't that many around here, though. No, no, <laughs> there there certainly aren't. But this this project, this is being called their citizen science volunteer. Oh, neat! So you will come away with enough information so that you can really identify and record the uh, bees that you're seeing. We ha we haven't had this kind of a uh, survey for almost a century, they said. So we have no idea really what we have. So what an important thing when you're going to start making new policy that you can talk about where the bees are at and how we're going to protect them. You know, I, it reminds me of when I talked to Al Bat of, of the birders. I mean, they have actual bird count days. So instead of counting birds, you're counting the bees. So yes, similar. Yes. It's just maybe if you're a bird count bird identifier, you can expand or if you just want to do the bees. That'd, right. be, that'd be great. And here again, they really want you to register as soon as possible. This class is free. Um, I think we should go, Karen. It's on a Saturday. Now, where's this at again? Uh, and this is at the Landscape Arboretum. Up this in is Chaska. in their new this is in their new bee facility that they have up there. Okay, and if you want more information and you want to register, you can just go to their website, and and you can get all that right there. So exciting things happening, uh, and also the uh, landscape arboretum will be having classes on bees and pollinators throughout the summer. So watch their website. That seems to be the hot topic because everywhere you turn, you see things on bees and pollinators. I was looking in the the Northern Gardener that's from the Minnesota Historic. Uh, Horticultural Society, and, and they had a lot of classes from master gardeners all across the state that are offering pollinator classes and, and learning what flowers and things to plant. And you know they have a project here at Minnesota State University as well that they are planting specific gardens to attract pollinators. So it seems like people are starting to recognize the importance. Yes, and one of the things that we want to encourage people to do is uh, find out how you can have a lawn and care for your lawn without uh, damaging the environment or the pollinators. You know, it's interesting because I now will have a new lawn to start because I, we um, had some issues with uh, the foundation on a, on a lake home that the the lawn, the sod is all chewed up now. So I'm going to have to replant some of that. So I think when I look at redoing that, I may have to consider some of those things because otherwise it was this beautiful, beautiful patch of, you know, just lush grass. But now is an opportunity when it's all torn up to do something else. Yeah. And, and you know, you said something really important there, this beautiful patch of lush grass. It was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? It's beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Well, yes. To someone else that might say, oh, chemicals. You know, and I herbicides. think it did too because I think the people before had some service to keep it that beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So is that really beautiful at the cost of, of all the pollinators? And you think of the drift. You know, we, we talk, uh, we don't talk enough about drift, herbicide drift and the, and that is a real problem. Because you do see the birds. Yes. Right. It gets in the water supply. If you have 
any um, wildlife coming to your yard, if you have all that chemical on your lawn, what effect does that have on them? And is, what about you? What about people? You know, what about children? And uh, so, yeah. So we have to think about that very, very seriously. And I was going to say, when I see a lot of these these uh, companies going out, they, a lot of times they're doing it on windy days, which you're getting huge drift, and you see that. And I know they mark on there, like they'll say the wind was such and such miles per hour in such and such a direction. But I often see on windy days, even on rainy days, they're out there, and I yes. think of the drift. Yeah, yeah. And and I wonder how much training some of these young people have had, especially when they come and they don't, they have bare arms their arms aren't Bare covered. Bare legs, shorts. Y- yeah, or th- and they don't have boots. They're walking in this and carrying Tennis this shoes. away. Yep. Yeah, so uh, it's something we all have to be concerned about. Well, Karen, for the last two weeks, I have been home sick with a cold. Yes, I know. And Missed you last week. Uh, it, you know, it was something that just came on really fast and left me feeling horrible, but when you're sick you can't just be sick you have to try to do something too which i think helps in the healing process and when it was warm outside i was able to go into my greenhouse which uh i had no heat in there except for the solar that i'm getting naturally it was 80 degrees in my greenhouse honestly and the sun shining (laughs) in it it was the best i felt all day long was when i could be outside and then finding things to do i sorted I have a drawer that I throw things in. You know how easy The junk drawer. Yes, it is a junk drawer. It's got um, these little wire ties in it, and it's got labels, and it's got... uh, Sometimes I've got... uh, the receipt for something that I bought because if it, I want to take it back, I'll know where it's at, but then I probably can't find it anyway. So I did all of that, and then I thought, oh, I have so much energy here. Now I want to do something else. And so the next day, I lined up all my planting pots and I sorted them. I sorted them by some are styrofoam, they're the bigger ones, some are uh, plastic, some are uh, uh, pottery and some of them have a glaze on them so they're pottery with a glaze and then I took a, a little brush and I brushed out the inside so if there was any loose soil in there and then I used a clothes basket and I carried them in one basket at a time. I put them in my dishwasher and I sanitized them and I washed them and as soon as I, the dishwasher was done, I carried them back. I put them on shelves and I stacked them by color, by size, by what they were made out of. And guess what? I'm all set to start gardening. I just have to laugh because people listening are thinking like, well, how many pots does this woman have? <laughs> Because, you know, most people, you're talking about all these different kinds, and a lot of people maybe, you know, just have a couple here and there. How many pots do you have, Barb? I don't know. It seemed like a lot when I was carrying them in by by wash basket full, you know, stacking them up. And you accumulate pots because you buy plants, they come in pots. Now, most of these uh, throwaway pots, you know, I recycle all of those. I take them back to where I got them from. But I do save some of those, too, because when we do our plant sale, then I've got uh, uh, pots that I can put the flowers in. Now they're all sterilized. And I also washed the uh, tray that you can put underneath them, the big tray that holds a dozen containers. Got those all washed up, got them all setting. You know, they're all set to go. So all I have to do is, is, is plant them to fill them up. I probably have, 
oh, I probably permanent, I probably have 100 pots, you know. <laughs> Do you know, it's, it's interesting, I, I've noticed a trend from when I first started gardening. When you first start, you get things in little pots, and you think the little pots are fine. But as you garden, you realize little pots are not big enough for most plants. So, I mean, I look now, and I've gotten rid of most of the small pots because you, you and I are both big gardeners. We love right. to garden. And I'm sure you've noticed that trend, too, that now you have large pots because you know the roots need all that extra yes. space to yes. hold the, the water and, and just to, to do well. So that's one thing I, I would encourage people if they see a pot and they think it's big, I would almost encourage you to buy a little bigger one because chances are... Right. And you know, the other thing is, um, when you think about this, don't think about the pot as you're seeing it now, but think of it with a heavy plant in right. it, with soil in it, and if you put rock or something in there for drainage, this pot gets heavy really quickly. So maybe you want to go with a styrofoam or a plastic pot. Uh, this can be a really nice choice for you because they, they're they lighter to start off with. They have advantages and disadvantages. Uh, the styrofoam don't dry out as fast, but if you don't have them weighted really well. They'll they tip you, over easily. They they will tip over. So so that's a, a drawback right there. But I agree. The other thing is a lot of times if you want to do some container gardening with vegetables, you have uh, the thing becomes vertical. It grows upright. It catches the wind and then that that knocks it over. And you also need to be sure that you think about what kind of a support are you going to use? Will a single stake be enough, or do you need a cage? If you need a cage, you have to have a pot that is bigger in circumference then, so that that will fit in there too. And I have learned the hard way with uh, tomato plants, because tomato plants will get very, very <laughs> tall if they're indeterminate, meaning they just keep growing on up. Right. And I put big cages on top, and when you get a big wind, a lot of times they'll blow over. They will. So a lot of times I'll put big rocks in the well, not big, but but a whole bunch of rocks in the yes. bottom that helps with drainage, yes. but it also helps to weight your pot down. And and here's another thing: if you run out of pots to wash and clean, those rocks that you use, which are maybe about the size of, oh, I don't know, a small apple or something like that, uh, be sure you wash those. Be sure they're clean too, because they can bring disease in. So. Uh, and you probably don't want to put those in your dishwasher, but you can certainly uh, wash them just in some kind of a container and let them dry someplace, and, and they'll be fine, and they'll be ready to go. Are you going to start to pot things pretty soon? Because um, I've got in my basement, I've got, uh, well, containers full of canna tubers, and I've got dahlia tubers, etc. How soon do you start yours? Because, you know, I like to get them a head start because I, I did last year. I, I waited and I just put them right in the ground and it took them so long to get big that I, this year I want to get a head start. So yeah. what what do you think? You know, I don't want to pot anything like that till I can put it out in my greenhouse. Okay. And I don't heat the greenhouse. So I'm going to wait till April 1st. And also, I'm going to take another month's vacation here. And so I have to wait till I get back. But the trick of this is, unless you've got artificial lights or you've got a lot of sunlight, uh, I wouldn't get those things started so early because they get leggy. And it is harder for a plant that's leggy than to acclimate when you do take it outside. Okay, so, so for us people up. who want to get going, you know, it's yeah, probably yeah. good advice to just kind of sit back and just yes. wait and look at your catalogs. <laughs> but if you have a lot of roots, like we have quite a few roots, right? Well, I've got, yeah, many. And, and, and 
take time, inspect them, take a look at them. If there's anything on them that doesn't look good at all. Or that's squishy or smelly it, at yeah, all. That right, means it's rotting. Right. Get rid of it then. Yes. And I have also with the dahlias, um, and I'm certainly no expert like our friend Harvey has when it comes to dahlias, but if I have a, you know, they have like, they grow like a sweet potato in that the tuber comes out to the side. If I have one of those that looks like it has shriveled more than the rest of it because maybe it wasn't under the sphagnum that I was storing it in, I just go right up to the top and sniff that off. I don't want one that's starting to shrivel in with the, because it comes as a clump. Right. And so I'll, I'll cut that off. Oh, okay. And I've also um, grown a single tuber uh, of the dahlia. They don't, you're not going to get such a big plant, but you can bring them in. They will grow and uh, you will get a plant, a flower later on. Because I always wondered that because they come in clumps. It looks like a big udder with many, many teats on it, like a cow. Yes, and yes. so I always thought, well, can you pull one of those off and start a plant itself? It will. Doesn't it have to have like an eye or something at the top though? No, no uh, well, it should have, but you can, you can get that to start. I mean, you put that in really light, um, uh, soil, rooting soil, and keep that watered, and you will get that to sprout. Now, like I say, it's not going to be like a full plant where you've got the different eyes to it, but you can make that grow. Have you ever noticed when you buy dahlias, they'll come like in a plastic bag with a little bit of sphagnum around it? Right. And how many of those tubers do you usually get? A lot of times you only get one. Right. And the, the ones you dig up at the end of the year have, you know, maybe 10, 15 uh, oh, yeah. or more. Yeah. I always think of them like a dust mop. I mean, they're, yeah, just, they're, 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 they're just going out all over the place. So... And and, and usually, I know our friend Harvey just saves the best of that. He makes that split right through the middle or thirds or, or whatever. But it is a good time to, to check on your uh, bulbs and things that you have downstairs. Now, we we are still at the library this week. We the, Yes, it we is gardening part, garden party, yes. too. So I want to make sure before we get done with the show, the Minnesota River Valley Master Gardeners are presenting more this week at the Blue Earth County Library. And I will be presenting tomorrow at 1030 on square foot gardening. And we've chatted before. I have that square foot gardening video that I made for the Master Gardeners that aired on local cable television that has over 21,000 views now which is kind of cool, but I'm going to talk about that process of what and why to have a square foot garden and the, how much more productive you can be in a small space. So I'll do that at 10.30 tomorrow morning at the Blue Earth County Library. Then at 11.30 is Sarah Knox, and she is the KEYC TV meteorologist. She's going to be talking about the weather and future trends, etc. And then at 1.30, so afternoon then, a little break in the middle, uh, planting a spring bulb garden by Mary Beth Gullickson. She's with the Cedar Brook Garden Center, and that's in New Prague. And then 2.30, our good buddy Al Bat will be at the library talking about gardening for the birds. Yes, so bring your questions, especially for Elbat. I, he is such a folksy person. He reminds oh, me of guy. Garrison Keeler. Mm -hmm. uh, he's so folksy, and he's seen and done so much with the birds and with the pollinators. He's such a rounded person. It, it, absolutely great to see. And you'll learn from other people's questions. You'll learn from new information from Al and the rest of the programs, too. Now, I know that a lot of people, are are wanting to start gardening. So maybe square foot gardening is for them. The other thing is, um, on our 
on our listing of this program, we put square foot gardening, we probably should have had a wider or a bigger description of that as raised bed gardening too. Yes, yeah, yes. you're so right. That is a good point. People would understand that because you're not you're not planting in the soil. This is a, a, a raised garden, and there are so many advantages. Well, you to know, that. one thing is they warm up sooner, so you can plant things a little earlier yes. too, which I'm excited about, and. I'm also going to be this year having a traditional garden and the raised beds because I've got a big spot out by the lake now that's 20 feet by 17 feet, which I think is a pretty good size. Yes, it is. And so I'm going to be uh, trying my hand at that. And I think I'm going to do do a lot of fun things like that I didn't have room before, like uh, sunflowers, which are also good for sure. the pollinators. And, yes. And I don't think I'll do corn because really, if you're going to do sweet corn, you really need to have a good s- big spot. Yeah, right. I right. know so many people want to have it because like, oh, how fun would it be to go out in the garden and get a f- ear of sweet corn? But here's the thing. If you don't have a big sp- uh, patch of them, you're not going to get much because they need to pollinate each other. They and, do. And they might have one ear each. So if you've got Right. Ten plants. I mean, it's hardly worth the space. I think. Yes, and and look for some of the new introductions that are smaller plants yes. that don't go vining all over the place. Um, that's not necessary. And involve your children, and be sure and plant your family's favorites. Do you know? Yesterday we had a little guy uh, at the library that liked kale. Really? Yes. Because I don't even like kale. I know. <laughs> I know. So so if you can develop in children uh, their taste buds so that they are welcoming to vegetables, for heaven's sakes, go to it. Go through it. Go for it, yes. Yeah, you know, even uh, this summer when we were taking care of our daughter's puppy, she absolutely loved vegetables. And when we take her up to the garden, as a matter of fact, I was the digging. The puppy? Yes, the puppy. And she she loved carrots. And carrots had always been a treat. And we would buy these smaller ones for her. Well, I was digging up the carrots and had them in a pile. And I looked, and she had taken one. <laughs> and there she was. I got this seed from Jean Lundquist. And this carrot was at least uh, 10 inches long. She had the whole thing. And she was just, she knew she'd done something that she probably shouldn't have done. And she was just eating that as fast and furious as she could. And with... And, you know, I was careful with this puppy. I, I would never have given her a dirty vegetable with soil on it. And here she's eating everything. I mean, it's just... It was probably good for help, maybe help cleaning her teeth or something. Yeah, who knows? But so so children, I mean, there's nothing like uh, growing their things that they can eat. They love peas, too. If they'll eat the pod, they'll, you know, they'll shell them. They'll. It's It's just sort of like magical to be picking and eating something outside that's that's such a great thing so be sure that you include those family favorites absolutely thanks barbara